to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas and with me always is my mate all the way in WA, Dural Jasia. Hello, Benjamin. I, one of my favorite things is always to watch the guest's reaction to you switching on your radio voice from the pre-show normal chat to suddenly going into podcast Benjamin. Hey, yes. this is this is super exciting. We have oh, Very. the guests that we get don't get much bigger than this. No. We have TV presenter, food critic, but also just like you know, people breaking down barriers is one thing, but no one's breaking them down by going, 30 seconds left! Please <laughs> welcome <laughs> Melissa Leong! Hi! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, what, a, what an intro. Mate. 30 <laughs> seconds! That's, yes. that's, that's up there with your catchphrase, I reckon. That's got to be. go down in history as the biggest... <laughs> troll ever that the, the Andy and Jock used that mechanism to teach me how to yell and to project because the very first time I did it I was terrible yeah. how really? did you do it how did it go how did you go well I thought yeah I was at 30 seconds <laughs> they both looked at me and said if we're going to do this for the rest of the season, let alone potentially other seasons, mm. we are going to need to fix this. <laughs> oh, but now it's, it's, yeah. But at least you have colleagues that are, that are like, yeah. you know, nice enough to be honest enough rather than the producer <laughs> going, that was great. Now what we're going to do, we're yeah. just going to do it again, okay? Yeah. Uh, just a little bit louder. <laughs> so ben, so you- learn how to AFL yeah. from the gut like something that has incensed me has happened on the ground and you need to just bellow. And so now they are, every time I I give a good one, they look at me and they're like, yeah. Oh, they're so proud, like two proud dads, (laughs) you know what I mean? Go you, go you. Two two men and a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ben, you uh, and Mel have met before, haven't you? Yes, yes, we uh, we met on uh, on the series of Master Chef where it was it was return return uh, back to win uh, back to win back to win. Which I don't know if I admitted to you, Melissa, but when I was doing uh, warm ups, it was uh, it was cooking in front of a, a live crowd uh, in that um, really really hot shed, and I <laughs> and I remember I was like when they came out, I was like, Gee, these people do look familiar. <laughs> And no one had told me that they were return people coming back for the win. So thank yeah, God someone, just, yeah. yeah you just thought there were like regular it. guests that looked like previous contestants. You, I, no, I didn't even, like, I think I was the only one I recognised. It's like, she does yeah. look familiar, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah, that was the only reason. And then... <laughs> yeah, 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 and then and then um, and then I got to meet uh, you three, who you know, so lovely. Because I think was that the first season? Was that the first season you that guys were doing? Very first season, and that was probably the last live event before lockdown. Right. Yeah. So yeah. did you start back to win early mid twenty twenty? Is it before the pandemic? We started it in January twenty twenty, wow. and we did two outdoor events one of them a huge barbecue for like 2,000 people in St Kilda and then that live in the round event in that very hot shed and um, which was I think another 1,000 people or something like that and then the world sort of came screeching to a halt so we felt very lucky to have had the experience of that event because it was so special. The fans were mental and I mean 
in no small part because they were warmed up by. But in saying that, I was also speaking because it was the first time I met uh, the uh, the EP, uh, the great man Marty Benson, and he yeah. used to be a warm up guy himself. So he he put on the hard <laughs> word on me and said, "Look, no, I want them, I want them to go crazy." And I was like, "Okay, I can make them go crazy," but he's like, "No, no, I want it." So we just can't hear ourselves think. I was like, "Be careful for what you wish for," because uh, because there was a point where they were screaming, they were chanting. At one stage they started, I got them to sing songs, which then he ran over and go, we don't have the rights to these songs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you, you did an amazing job and like it's, I'm, I'm always in awe of people with the ability to whip people into a frenzy like that. And, um, and you know, because of that energy, we were able to have such an amazing uh, challenge ahead. And it's still one of my most favourite things that I've done. It was well, massive. It, it's, funny, <laughs> it's funny to say, and this is where I guess one of my first questions is for you, is it, I hadn't really been a big watcher of the show until I'd, I'd worked on that episode. But I wasn't... A, I wasn't... <laughs> but, but, what, what I wasn't aware was how uh, passionate the fans were. Like to just get a ticket to that was huge. Everyone was so grateful to be there. But yeah. how, how do you do it? Like, I mean, Dill's, you know, just been on the show. How do you deal? Like, do you bump into many MasterChef people? Do you get approached to a lot in the street? Well, because. We started the show and then, of course, we've been in lockdown oh, for yeah. 50,000 years <laughs> in Victoria. Um, it's probably only been in the last maybe couple of weeks um, that I've been out and about and people have sort of stopped and said, hey, we really love the show and we really love what you guys have brought to this next phase in in uh, MasterChef Australia's history. And um, it's, I've, as an introvert, it's taken a little bit of a moment to get used to because randos coming up to me in the street, lovely random people yes. coming up to me in the street. Um, I'm always like, oh, do I like, um, is my tag hanging out of my top? Or <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, do yeah. I have to pay for my shoe or something? I'm always thinking like, why, why are you, why are you approaching me? Because I, did I do something? Like, did I insult your dog or something? Mm. Um, and then when they, 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 they really feel the need to express how much they love the show and it never ceases to amaze me and fill me with gratitude that I'm part of this thing that has been going for such a long time mm. and they they continue to love it. They trusted us. They gave us a chance to um, see what we could do with this next phase and um, and it's, it's, it's pretty mind-blowing actually. It is truly really great because it's not often that a franchise as popular as MasterChef when they make such a big change that the audience does have that patience and also then lets you welcomes you but i actually think like it is an acceptance of like it's elevated because of the the way the world is moving and and everything that just the sheer fact that you have someone a person of color being able to appreciate the actual nuances around food like i remember on day one uh, i don't know if this you remember this mel but i was describing the rendang that i'd made and uh said that i had like like with the kiribat a little bit of palm sugar and i said oh back in sri lanka we have this thing that's you know made out of coconut 
Jaggery. And she goes, Jaggery. And my like eyes did my jaw drop. I'm like, yeah, you know Jaggery. I was like, holy shit. I was like, hey, for me, because obviously in Australia, I haven't like met too many people that know Jaggery, which is like, you know, coconut yeah. sugar, basically, Ben. And so Oh, I definitely knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so so those, those elements of it, I think having the fans like really get behind you is it must is, is it feel like a relief or uh, what, what was that feeling like to go into some such a big franchise first and then now where it's at well a lot of people said oh you know you had really big shoes to fill and with all due respect of course you know we would not have had this opportunity had the former judges not done a phenomenal job and had incredible chemistry between them in order for you know it to be deemed successful enough to pass on to somebody else so mm. for that I'm, yeah. I'm always grateful but then when they said you know you have big shoes to fill and I just sort of I remember um Waleed actually asking me this um on the on the project the day that we were announced and I lifted my leg up and I said see these shoes these are the only shoes I'm interested in wearing um <laughs> awesome. Great shoes. And so that I think is the attitude that Jock and Andy and myself have embraced since day one is we can only be ourselves. Right. So, and, and of course, every single day we strive to be better at our jobs and better as human beings. And so that's what we've chosen to to do and, and the way we've chosen to walk into this role is that what came before was extraordinary and the only way that we have a shot at being extraordinary in the future is to be ourselves and have fun and have fun doing that. And so knowing that I'm stepping into this role that has never been embodied by um, a woman, let alone a woman of colour, um, I did think, well, I'm, I'm very proud in myself to be here. Um, did I know that it would resonate with so many people of of all kinds of backgrounds and all kinds of perspectives, no, um, not in the way that it has manifested. Mm. But I'm very, very grateful for it because that kind of support in being seen and being heard and being valued in that role means a lot to me. But then what that has signaled to other people in what is possible for them um, yes. is a really exciting thing to be a part of and it becomes much bigger than just me in that role and I don't like to over existentialize this I was just I was a freelancer who was given a wonderful opportunity and I said yes and I took the ball and ran with it and so I'm not making any kind of um you know grand uh, grand gestures to say that I I saw a bigger plan for this um I was just really happy to be employed yeah but beyond that I think that knowing how it has resonated you, you I do think about it differently now yeah. than I did before it was also a, as oh sorry Ben I was just going to say for you as someone who were, grew up in Australia in in um, in the eighties and nineties and not wouldn't have seen you know for lack of a better word anyone that looked like you and Very to not yeah and I think you and I talked about this that uh, that time we after we filled the View Du Monde episode and we we're having some drinks up on the balcony was that it's really it, it's it's wonderful but it's also. Uh, I guess similarly for me, when people have said to me like, oh, you know, you don't know what it's like to hear, a, a, you know, someone with subcontinental accent on the radio. Mm. And and it's not why you came into it, obviously, mm. or at least it wasn't why I did. I did it because I just wanted to have fun in a in a career. And 
to know that he out had, of accounting. Yeah, and I'll shit sh- at accounting and someone fired <laughs> me. <laughs> but that must, uh, for you specific, because I didn't grow up in Australia, so I don't have that awareness. But how did that, like, for you, do you remember feeling like there wasn't, uh, you weren't seeing yourself and that being a thing or? Absolutely. I, when I'm asked a question like this, I saw a couple of people. I saw Elizabeth Chong, who yeah, was on was Good Morning Australia, and she, we, we still keep in touch. Now, I interviewed her a few years ago for a story, and then once the, the MasterChef thing happened, she wrote to me and she said, hey, this is, um, that's pretty amazing. And she'd read that I had name-checked her in, a, in an interview to say that I found her to be inspirational growing up because she was, it was like watching my mother cook yeah. on Good Morning mm. Australia. She would cook you know, things that were familiar to me and that was, um, that really meant a lot. So uh, Elizabeth Chong, Lee Lin Chin, uh, mm. Charmaine Solomon as well, um, you know, there were a small handful of, of women of colour who have just been slaying it for, you know, a million years and um, and I ha- I did have them to look to but largely when you look at the rest of Um, television programming in Australia in the 80s and the 90s in particular, um, there wasn't a great deal of of representation uh, in any broader context. And so, yeah, you know, I I grew up in a pretty sort of homogenous suburb of people who did not look like me. And Which suburb was that? um, I grew up in the Sutherland Shire. So I grew up in the suburb. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I did. I grew up in a suburb called Bangor originally and then Illawong. And um, they there was one other Chinese family yeah. in the school pretty much. And, wow. um, yeah, and it was... It, it, was a, it was an interesting upbringing. I threw myself into being um, accepted in any way that I could by doing all of the things, uh, all of the things that the Aussie kids did. And plus also all of the things that the Asian kids did and so pretty busy growing up Um, but I loved it I really loved having the opportunities that I did to sort of be what I was good at I guess that dealing with pressure at that age has definitely set me up for being better at it now that's for yeah, sure. right. Can I, can I just ask, when you were growing up in the 80s and you would turn on SBS News and you would see Leland Chin there, is that something that you'd watch together as a family? Because the only reason I say that is, for me, my mum my was Dutch and migrated over here, but she it resonated with Leland more than anyone because it was not only was there a woman doing the news, a woman yeah. that wasn't from Australia, but also yeah. she had a quirky sense of, like, just the quirkiness yeah. that my mum did not see in Australia at all. Yeah. Because it was just like you know dresses and you know do your thing, but it was yeah. like, she, did you did so she was an inspiration to to enter the world. I was I was like, what was the inspiration to go into the world of uh, entertainment and media or even cooking to a degree? I never honestly never planned it. Um, entertainment that is. Um, I, <laughs> I actually didn't really plan much of my adults. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, you know, growing up in a in a Chinese family or in an Asian family, um, the assumption is you will finish school, you'll finish high school, you will do an undergraduate, um, preferable that it is law or medicine or accounting, <laughs> or, you know, something something with some, you know, 
some security to it. Something that can and, be shared with the uh, the cousins and the uncles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A subject um, or a degree that someone in your family has heard of is, yeah. Um, is yeah. perfect. And, and then after you finish that degree, things are a, a little bit more open. Okay, you, you've, you've earned your stripes. You can kind of start making choices for yourself, but make safe choices and... Um, you know, maybe a couple of years later, get engaged, do that for a bit, have some kids, buy a house, you know, they want that security for us. I see where it comes from. You know, a lot of a lot of families from elsewhere in the world came here to give their future families an opportunity to have more than they had or to experience more than they had experienced. And and I'm certainly no different in that regard. Um but when I finished uni, I had all of my friends finishing film school at the same time because, of course, I gravi- gravitated towards all the friends who had done arts degrees. And so during the process of university, I was working, I was teaching piano because, you know, Asian. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I took piano from the age of, I think, 13. I started teaching kids in my school, so um, I, would have, I would have a couple of students. At 13, um, you were teaching other students? Yeah, so I, um, from the primary school, in, in my sort of, it was a primary school, high school, sort of um, uh, different, same same school, different, obviously, stages of, of education. So there were kids from the primary school of my high school that um, lived near me and their parents were like, well, you know, she's... I was te- I was cert- like a certified teacher, so I could teach oh. um, AMEB, um, which is the the, the music um, sort of grades that you do. And so I was teaching sort of yeah, seven and eight year olds um, how to read music. Based on researching like- cancer and also like the- yeah. <laughs> and also being able to cook. It's just, you know, this is what yeah. Asian kids need to do. Exactly. All of those things. <laughs> I do love it on this podcast when we ask, what was your first job? And it's like, usually it's 16, 17, and now you're teaching piano at 13. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I so I started working at Clinique um, when I was, I think, 17 or 18, at, when I started uni. And I want it was because I wanted a job outside of yeah. my home because, of course, it was terribly convenient to be earning money in your lounge room. But I wanted to meet people and I wanted to learn things and meet um, meet people who could teach me things outside of my sphere of, of understanding. And so I started working at Clinique and I happened to work with a couple of makeup artists who were focusing on film and television. And during, in between uh, movies and things like that, they would go and pull some shifts at Clinique just to kind of keep the rent running. Yeah. And so I, I learned... <laughs> still happens now and so I learned um film and television makeup artistry the foundations of it from them and then as my friends were finishing film school and doing music videos and things like that they said oh you know you know a little bit about this can we just throw you in there and can you can you do that for us and so to my parents utter confusion and somewhat disappointment I ended up becoming a makeup artist um, because I was having so much fun being around creative people and being on set was something that I I thought was so special and so exciting and I still I still feel that way Mm. about it that collaborative spirit where you know you are part of a team every single person contributes to this greater whole and it's such a a wonderful thing to feel 
um, you know, associated with and that you've contributed towards. So I, I did that. It's a story sure. that, that, that resonates with a lot of people, definitely with me in the sense that for, considering the upbringing that you talked about as well, there's so much of wanting acceptance. There's a lot of, a lot of time people just, we do things to try and fit in when the reality is we just want to belong. And then when you actually find the people that accept you for who you are, rather than you trying to mold yourself to something, it's this, it's, you know, I get evangelical about it because I'm like, just, it's so like, I wasted so much time trying to be a version of me that I thought people wanted me to be. And then you find this circus of people getting up on stage and telling jokes. I'm like, that's what I, that, I didn't know anyone else cared about this shit as much yeah. as I do. So mm. you just and you're get- like, I found, yeah, you find your people and you feel like you're home Yeah, and, and you feel accepted for, for you. And I think, Inherently, that's what all humans want is to find the people that they can be entirely themselves with in all of your silliness and your your weird little quirks and right. you know whatever. Like I I do lots of things in my my sort of my everyday life just to kind of entertain myself or keep my energy up or like have a little bit of a, a wiggle and a dance and whatever. And it's not to make anybody laugh. It's just like that's how I kind of just embody my life. Can we, a bit of like can we talk about back. that a bit? Because I'd yeah. love to hear more of that. I did, it, because... I did it this morning with the family. We just had yeah. got to get out of a funk. So let's play yeah. some uh, let's play some uh, old school hip hop. Call them the gang. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Have a little dance party, and and I remember listening to an interview with um, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross, and she said the same thing. Like you know, growing up with like Diana Ross being your mother. And she said that people were like, oh, you know, was she like very, you know, about being a mother? And she said, no, she was a really great mum. And um, Tracy sort of has this um, very explosive, energetic spirit. And so they'd be sitting at the dinner table and, you know, <laughs> Diana can like Tracy kind of like wiggling and she's like, do you need to get the wiggles out? She's like, yeah, I need to get the wiggles out. And so she just, get, she said, okay, well, off you go. And she'd run out um, into the backyard and just like, Aah! you know, <laughs> throw herself around and have a, have a little bit of a, a squiggle and a wiggle. And once she'd sort of shook it all out of her, then she'd come back to the dining room table and her mum would be like, you good? She's like, no, nah, not nah, more. And then she <laughs> finally would settle. And I, I feel like, having whether or not that's your immediate your, your blood relative family or your your chosen family of colleagues and friends people who can accept you for you needing to get the wiggles out or you know whatever you know weirdness that your your life manifests itself as that they love you for it i mean i think how how cool is that yeah well, so, so it's, it's funny it's funny you say that because that that is exactly what my daughter does so the last two years have been really difficult and we're at the dinner table and she will get fidgety and so what she does is she just runs up and down the hallway and she yeah. talks to herself just runs up and down the hallway and then she's back and we're like okay cool that that's what you need to do Totally yeah. support that. Now, please, for the love of God, eat your broccoli. <laughs> I, I think there's a there's a real power in silliness that gets underestimated because silliness assumes that you're not taking like uh, taking your job seriously or anything like that. But the reality is, if you have like an eighty twenty balance where eighty percent is hundred percent work, like full work ethic and and you know not you know not wasting anyone's time, but you yeah. need that twenty percent, and you see it in sets, you see it in writers' rooms or anything like that. You just need someone to break the tension with a bit of silliness. And one of the questions when I've done press for MasterChef uh, uh, since about what what's like, whatever I said, one of the things that 
uh, I think is still shown on the show, but is not as much as we know was how funny, especially the three of you are as judges in, because there's so many like dumb puns. There's so many jokes that probably <laughs> is not right for that time slot and stuff like that. <laughs> but I said it for me, that was like on day one, when I realized all 10 of us plus three of you had that silly sense of humor where we didn't. And so what translated on screen was the chanting and the, the dumb songs and the parody songs that somehow <laughs> still snuck into the edit. I was like, oh, that was great. But trust me, there was so many more silly moments. And and one of the things I think I like with you is playing food pun games. Yeah. <laughs> so, so in fact, actually, every every episode title is uh, is a, usually I try and make a pun for it. So hopefully, maybe we'll make get you to do this one for you. Oh, well, you must have amazing. a bunch of Leon based puns. There are so many. But yeah, it is. I, I think that's. I, I agree. I think silliness is supremely underrated, and it's. Why Why is it that when we get older, we suddenly seem to perceive silliness as unnecessary or, um, you know, just a, you know, Not a, frivol a frivolity that's, un you know, that that is that has no function? I think that the reason why we've been accepted as this next phase of, of MasterChef, um, Jock Andy and myself, is that, you know, we're not afraid to be you know, a little bit kind of cheeky and silly and fun and, and and entirely ourselves in that regard. And I love the fact that this new era has also included the editing being a little bit looser and showing those little that. moments. I can tell. Yeah, I mean, I like, I like, you see me kind of like doing like, again, wiggles. Um, <laughs> and I keep that stuff in sometimes. And it's, you know, I'm not doing it for the camera, I'm doing it for myself. But I yeah. think when people watch it, they get it that we all have these little moments of, you know, you eat something and it's so good you have to kind of have a little bit of a dance or a boogie or a little celebration. Well, and people think yeah. it's Sorry, in the right. semi-final, they used a couple of uh, edits of Jock and Andy both messing up the timings and things like that. And it was just such a, it's so refreshing to to know because we all took the job seriously, but yeah. we did have so much fun in that process. Totally. I think sometimes silliness, I agree, is, is the people don't think about that. They think, oh, it's, you're not taking things seriously. But silliness actually really, really generates creativity. And yes. I've just noticed it with my kids. That the sillier we are and the more we get into it, the weirder stuff that comes up. And then before you know it, you just come up with an amazing idea or an amazing activity, which, you know, like, you know, my partner's sometimes a little bit embarrassed, but I have made up so many, so many different games where I've just made up, made up the game and then give it a name. And then, but then I hear my kids talk to other kids go, do you play King of the Ball? And I'm like, we have never heard. What is King of the Ball? <laughs> you know, like just all this weird stuff, which I love. Like my partner's like, I can't keep up with all your games how many games have you got like but, <laughs> but just the, the encouragement the idea that if you if you it's also a self-soothing thing as well like you know like the, even the shake but if you're just silly you can just reset yourself uh, you know under any circumstance yeah i i absolutely agree i think um whether or not that's when you're a kid and you're having a little bit of a, a hard day or a, a big kid having a bit of a hard day just being able to break you know break it by you know, I, I call it like a, I call it a circuit breaker, you know, just sort of do something that shocks you out of whatever's going on and you're able to then sit down and clarify and and kind of continue a momentum rather than getting stuck in a loop. And right. so, it's like yeah. The, it's I, the emotionally equivalent of splashing water on your face. You're like just a totally. little bit of a reset and you're like, all right, we're good. 
I think if you, I think if you hate doing something, unless you are Chris Hemsworth and you need to, I am. Yes, I am known as the Hemsworth of Columbo. As you both would know, (laughs) when you're training for that role where you need to look a certain way. Yeah, police policeman number four. Yeah, (laughs) it's not always. I'm sure not always fun to get there. You know, in, in that regard, when you have to look completely built or you have to be um, like completely emaciated for a role or something like that as, as actors, I'm sure that that process of changing physiology, you know, physiology must not be fun. Mm-hmm. But for the, rest, for the rest of us mortals, um, <laughs> finding the things that give us joy um, and that we, like we, like you said, Dora, like that we enjoy doing that incidentally also um, help us to, f- to be fitter and happier. Um, that's always a good way, I think, to do it. Because I'm always fascinated just on the show is when you do film a series of MasterChef, you're yep. eating a lot of food. How in <laughs> God's name yep. do you not just stack it on? That is a really good question. I'm still not entirely sure how um, the three of us have um, maintained. Well, Jock uh, has like, worms, I how, I'm sure. I know how Jock does it. Um, <laughs> he's, just, he's a freak of nature. Um, he has the fastest metabolism of anybody I have ever met. He can eat all of the things that he has to eat in a day and still go home and cook dinner for the family and eat heroically there as well. And it just... You know, it's it's just a very quick metabolism for him. Um, Andy is incredibly athletic. He comes from a very sporting sort of background, and and so I think for him, um, moving and and being physical has has always been a part of who he is. You know, mm. he was um, a very competitive basketballer and has travelled around the world competing um, for Australian teams and things like that. So he continues to to be um, a, a sporty guy. And for me, um, you know, I. I was not overly, I did a lot of sport as a kid. Um, When I sort of became a teenager and a young adult, I sort of went, fuck that shit and just let's just enjoy life and um, had a reasonable metabolism to keep up. And then around sort of my late 20s, early 30s, I realised that, you know, I needed to move and to integrate exercise in, into my life, not just for my physical health, but also just for my mental health as well. And I knew that by, you know, by moving, you feel better. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend of mine, um, his mother has bipolar and he used to say, you know, there was a doctor that said, you know, there is a lot that can be achieved just by going for a walk. Yeah. And I always think that whenever I have a, a moment where I'm feeling just a little bit down or a bit like I've had a bit of a crappy day, just getting some fresh air and walking and moving your body, even if it's the simplest of things, can really help you feel better. Well, there's and- neuroscience actually that backs that up because it's to do, there's a guy called Andrew Huberman who talks about this a lot where the movement of your eyes, there's even uh, EDM, I think it's called it, a, a, a psychological sort of treatment. But when you yeah. walk, you're constantly yeah. looking horizontally as opposed to just yeah. being fo- narrowly focused. And yeah. that- that relaxes your nervous system because you're just now starting to un- like it's 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 going from portrait mode on the phone to panoramic yeah. do you know what I mean? right That's the best sort of description so because if you just focused on something you just need to take a break and go for a walk and then yeah. your eyes start relaxing and then that tells the nervous system oh we're cool we can just chill out yeah yeah exactly because I, I suppose when we were 
you know, early human gatherers and all of the rest of it, you're focusing very acutely on something. It was because you were trying to kill an animal or find food to survive or, you know, that deep focus is very crucial for survival. Mm. But then when you're in that kind of deep focus mode, um, you know, that takes a lot of energy. And so to, to once again walk into the world and look and look at everything that I, makes a whole lot of sense that it tells the nervous system, hey, we're okay, we're not yeah. needing to seek food to survive or run away from something or whatever no, it happens We've got me. AFL players bringing us food yeah. now. We don't oh, need to. Yeah. Oh, oh, I do like that idea. I, seriously, can he be more nice, cook better? <laughs> eat, okay. you know, uh, I like the what? idea in prehistoric times that you're like, you've had enough, it's a hard day, you take the club, you walk out of the cave, you know, yeah. take the fresh air, see a T-Rex and go, I think I'm going to head back. <laughs> you're thinking of Jurassic Park. Dinosaurs did not roam. Don't, don't ruin the scientific nature of this podcast with your, with your silliness. How dare you? <laughs> but, they what, don't move in herds. <laughs> what, I, I should say, because, again, going back to the food about the, the, the judging um, – yeah. genuinely you guys eat it all. And the only difference I would say between the three of you is that when the cameras stop, you and Andy go, that'll do. Whereas yeah. Jock will continue eating whatever yeah. is left on their table. I'm like, yeah. but does the cameras are off. No, you don't need to. But if you just genuinely have this, this endless gut that just seems to be, yeah. Gone. yeah. He's uh, always hungry. And that's, um, again, just a weird Jock thing that happens. Um, yeah. And for me, I, I've learned now that I, I eat enough to inform so that that's one bite, two bites, three bites, whatever it happens to be. Once, I'm, once I've worked out what I want to say and how I want to say it, I will stop. Mm. And, um, and Are you thinking think like, about that while you're eating it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And sometimes, you know, if I'm, I'm picking at something a little longer, it's because I'm trying to find a nice way to say something yeah. um, or, or, a more, or a more diplomatic way of expressing. Explaining what an experience is that while you're eating it, going, Why did he put it in a jaffle? (laughs) Oh, Um, focus on on the sample, not the jaffle. But I I know when to stop. And the the thing about you know, there's a the hospitality has always had. Um, discussions around food waste and things like that. And growing up in a migrant family, of course, the idea mm. of leaving food on a plate is mm. is crazy. Um, there's but people in I India know, would like like love to eat this, as I would hear over and over again. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. For me, yeah. it was um, you know there are kids starving in Africa That's, that you I, really I that you are so fortunate to have the food on your table. Um, you should express your gratitude by finishing everything. And so I grew up that way. But I, but the thing that we, um, that made me feel a lot better about it is that we have this uh, very comprehensive food cycling program that mm. happens at work. So anything that's you know leftovers on a plate goes mm. into a compost system that then um, provides fertilizer for the master chef gardens and, and is given away to um, to schools and market gardens and things like that anything that's salvageable is donated to second bite our, our food charity organization um, or we also have food markets at work so throughout COVID um, leftover vegetables and cuts of meat that were all vac sealed um, we would donate to charity and then we were able to um, sort of take some vegetables home or whatever it was um, and that meant that 
the crew didn't have to go to the supermarket as often during COVID. And we were so fortunate that nobody to date in our crew has had COVID. We didn't know that we were going to be able to even finish that first season. Uh, I thought, wow, I've just been handed a job I wasn't sure that I, you know, I wasn't sure about and I've just started to love it, like really love it. Mm. And then all of a sudden, like, is it going to stop? Oh, that would be so, so painful at that time. I know it's like one of those weird things. It's not, it doesn't seem like a problem, but it's true when you get your hopes up about something and then it gets paused. Yeah, it's a tough yeah, And especially when it's like a project like that hasn't even come into the world yet. And we were like, oh, we've just started this really special thing and it felt so special, continues to feel really special now. Um, and yeah, the, the thought of, oh, we may never get to show anybody this was um, yeah. in the days of the pandemic um a real thought that a lot of people were having and so i'm so grateful that we were able to continue and to finish and that people loved it as much as they did and um and that we continue to get to make great work and be silly and eat crazy mouth. to me one of the biggest compliments ever was the fact that my first dish which had the lunamirs the onion sambal folks listening mel took it home that's how much she loved it yep I certainly did I I I looked at it and I thought I could not bear the idea of this being compost discarded (laughs) going I mean as rich as that compost is I was like no I I need someone to put this in a in a Tupperware and and let me take it home because it was it was amazing really amazing compliment I was like get get that on camera forget the immunity (laughs) honestly immunity pin is cool but that's got to be up yeah (laughs) So many people get immunity. That's fine. But how many people get that judge taking the food home? <laughs> I've only done it maybe three times. There you go. There you time go. One of them was, um, Take that, Reynolds. And your, yeah. <laughs> and your nitrous uh, one oxide. Of, one of them was, I think, um, well, pretty much everything that was left of a, a curry that Kishwa made and all of the accompaniments because she just, she did this, eggplant brinjal and a, and a whole bunch of other things that were just together just all just completely vegetable based and the the ability that she had to create that much flavor on one plate just blew my mind and I was like this can't be discarded it cannot be discarded I'll eat it tomorrow for breakfast or, or whatever you know I'll eat it later on today um it was really really special and there's a couple over the the couple the last couple of years that I've just gone yeah no that's that's special so right they need yeah. to have a separate like little like you know best be, well, like in in um, footy clubs they have the best improved yeah. or whatever just like a yeah. side category. <laughs> <laughs> the hospitality industry in Melbourne has just been hit so hard that MasterChef was also just a nice reminder but you know hospitality is hit harder than ever because a lot of restaurants can't open because they don't have staff that's exactly it. it's um it's just such a vicious cycle at the moment because you're right there aren't enough staff both front of house and back of house and if anybody knows anybody who would like to sling a few burgers or stretch a few pizzas um through blue ducks would love to have you um have your you may so you know just just, and also (laughs) anyone in preston who wants to work at stray neighbor but again just put my (laughs) mate there you go um yeah there's a real shortage of hospitality staff and that is extra impetus to remind people that when they are going out and about again um, to be really kind to the people that are taking care of 
because it is hard um, and people are, you know, people are pulling the craziest hours trying to just keep a venue open and and, and give people the service they, that they have missed in the yep. last couple of years. So well, if you don't have to clean up or cook it or anything, yep. then, you know, I, tip hard, smile. <laughs> I heard a great story. There's a very well-known uh, restaurant in, I won't mention the name, but there's a very well-known restaurant in Ligon Street in Brunswick where they were so excited to reopen. They're a very popular restaurant. All their staff had left. They had no staff. So it was the owner plus his wife plus their 14-year-old son, mm. then grandma, and then my favourite is they needed one more person just to be able to service that first night and someone walked past and they were like, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and they helped. And they were like, sure, love that. I'll work tonight. That's I love awesome. it. That's awesome. I um I wanna I wanna jump back a bit because we we kind of got slightly got deviated. Sorry, but I loved how you said that you know for you you realize that physical activity is part of your mental well-being as much as it's yes. physical well-being, and that's yes. something that again I know that our listeners consistently are finding themselves. And in that, can can I then ask what are your current at this point at least your go-to physical activities? But more importantly, with the pressures of the show and and the long hours that it involves, yes. what would come to say if you've nailed your routine what mm-hmm. does your daily kind of routine your your big ticket items that you want to maybe tick off that covers physical as well as mental well-being yeah well i i think self-care has become such a huge thing for everybody in general but also because i um i burned out a couple of years ago you know and i've mentioned it before and then people this is the one that the tabloids like burned out oh really oh, whatever um like a, you know like a parada I, in a jaffle yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, it's a very, it's a sadly very common thing that happens these days. So it's um, an autoimmune condition that you can give yourself. You're in the market for a new little thing to have. Um, but essentially it's just a fancy name for burnout, but my particular version is called pyloria or pyroles um, or mauve disorder, which is another funny name for it where your body stops absorbing zinc and b vitamins and these are the building blocks for digestion for hair skin and nails for a general bodily function and so since then this was a few years ago now this must have been about six nearly seven years ago um that all of this sort of happened to me you can give it to yourself uh, you say so it's not necessarily like a genetic thing no, no, you, you, wow. um, if you push your body too hard, you, you will burn out. And that was essentially what happened to me was I was working crazy hours and I was working on a book um, that took me all around the country. And so we got really fat traveling around the country, you know, two weeks on, two weeks off over the space of nine months because at 5 a.m. At, at a truck stop in Alice Springs, yeah. there are not very many options. And so, of course, I'm going to eat the egg and bacon roll and, and you know, and, and have a coffee and probably, you know, stash a muesli bar in my bag for the, the rest of the road trip for right. the next couple of hours. Like, well, you you're eat- lucky you got a muesli bar. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I can't guarantee how old it was. It might have been about you. You do eat what you can when you're on the road, and and we had a great time, and I I wasn't sorry about it at all. But we had probably all um, put on maybe about five kilos in that process, and for me, that's a lot because I'm quite, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a short person, and I'm, I'm sort of a, a petite frame, so that amount of weight was noticeable on me so then I threw myself into HIIT training 
which I thought was a brilliant idea when I finished to just like get back, you know, get back on track again. And that finished me off because I was so tired, so overworked. Um, and I put my body under more physical stress because of course HIIT training is wonderfully effective, but it works on the premise of um, creating shock and stress in the body, you know, through, right. you know, through spiking your, um, spiking but your heart maybe, rate yeah. and letting it drop and, that's that's the basic sort of premise of it. So, yeah, one day I felt sick and um, I continued to feel like I was getting the worst cold on the planet and it went on for um, a while until I realised that it wasn't a cold and it took months. What's a while to, in that sense? Five months I took What? Off. Five months I was really unwell. There were days in the at the worst of it where I would have to psych myself up for a whole day just to walk 50 metres up the road Jesus. to the local corner shop to buy um, some veggies to cook something. You know, it was, oh it was God, pretty, right. pretty bad. So since recovering from that time. Um, Stop, sorry. So, so within that five months, you, initially yeah. you just kept thinking it was a cold. You're just feeling run down from the cold. Yeah, and I would just, you know, kind of put a massive brain fog, like massive oh. brain fog, and it felt like my body had been shackled to lead weights and so but it sounds like the symptoms of COVID <laughs> yeah it was it definitely sort of had all of those sort of very depleted feelings um but Would have months, affected your writing and everything isn't yeah I mean you couldn't think straight everything was you know I would sort of lose my temper you know quite quickly because I couldn't focus on things and you know, so I, I saw every single doctor under the sun from, you know, from gastroenterologists and endocrinologists and all kinds of yeah. what 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 system of the body was this that my right. that I wasn't well. Was that and process the, frustrating? Because I know a lot of people can and Ben Hughes had a similar thing initially when you're working through your necrotizing fasciitis and things like that. That yeah. one until they figure out what's happening. I'm, I'm lucky enough so far never to have had that in my life, but I'm assuming it must be a very frustrating part, which extremely. impacts the relationship you have with your body at that point. Extremely. I did everything. I went to wellness retreats because I thought, oh, well, if I'm really tired, I must just need a good rest, a good expensive rest. Right. Um, very expensive. Very expensive rest. Um, you know, I, I won't name the facility, but it was, um, you know, a very well-known, you know, sort of luxury health retreat. And I mean, I had an, I've, from what I remember, because, I, again, I was in that sort of crazy brain fog. It was beautiful, really beautiful, but it didn't do anything for me because I was not. That was not the problem, yeah. Not well enough that it wasn't the problem. It wasn't mm. that I needed a rest. I'll probably go back there now because <laughs> it's probably much, probably much lovelier when you can, you know, wake up and do Qigong and yeah. eat lovely food. Eat lovely food and go on hikes and things like that. I had no energy to do any of that. So I finally was introduced to an integrative doctor who um, was also, you know, she's so great. She's also Singaporean and she's also a concert violinist oh. as well as a doctor. Yeah, um, there you oh, There's a pattern in so she, got <laughs> she got me. She got me. She's like, oh. Ask? Integrative yeah. doctor, what does that word mean in that, okay, in that context? So, um, in, so integrative medicine is where they, they fuse traditional Western medicine with principles of holistic health as well. So you're not right. just treating um, symptoms with medication. You're also looking at the way you live your life, um, how other modalities can be integrated into um, the way you live in order to, to live better. So, 
you know, um, treatments might might be vitamin therapy rather than um, needing to go on a course of antibiotics or what you know whatever it happens it to be. Like, it sounds like it's a GP who's got more time on their hands. <laughs> a, little, a little bit, a bit more of a, a hippie GP, I suppose yeah, you yeah. would say. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's an extremely GPs. reductive way to way yeah, to describe it. Yeah, yeah. But you know, sort of, um, you know, principles of traditional Chinese medicine. But it's in my well. wheelhouse, though. That's why I'm yeah. very uh, perked up at yeah. the moment about it because it is that thing where I'm so brought up to love science and trust scientific and 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 chemicals and all the stuff that's you know pharmaceuticals. But at the same time, I've had such great experiences with things that science missed for years like meditation like you know like gratitude lists like I know it sounds so naff but like gratitude lists have been such a major game changer for my mental and physical being that 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 I I'm now open to those ideas I'm still a little bit sus on zodiac which my girlfriend's into but like (laughs) and and crystals there's crystals lying around somewhere are you compatible yeah yeah exactly are you I think we did. We found yeah, yeah, yeah. the stars didn't seem to align, but the crystals, though, I'm not so sure well, about those. They just you... seem like rocks taking up space where my candles should be. No, but it's funny you say that. I don't know if I mentioned this on the pod, but um, is when I was a little kid uh, and I just started grade prep, is um, I used to have reactions to a particular crystal. So I remember going to our first trip to the museum, and I don't know if you remember uh, the old days, there was downstairs, there was far lap and stuff, and then upstairs, they had all these sort of you know, aquariums. And one of them had a crystal, and I remember going up there, seeing the crystal, and I threw up. And. and the crystal met? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then, and then it happened again in another health food store with my mum. I saw the crystal, and I was like, really? "I think I'm gonna vomit." Yeah, and so I oh, remember, okay, yeah. look again. Like I said, I'll open. I'm open, but <laughs> it did the um, opposite, right? <laughs> what was that? So, do you know what it was? I think we worked out that I think it was quartz. I think because it was like pinkly, pinkish purple, and it was sort of like in a sort of rock. And I just remember yeah. I was like, "Wow!" Well, but then, as one of my friends said, he's like. You know, you could be Superman. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect logic. I actually love that. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah. That's so funny. not to not to be reductive yeah. about the matter, but yeah. I, I get that's Hi. what I mean. I, I really love this idea where you go. Let's do yeah. what's you know what's been proven according to empirical yeah. evidence, but also yeah. here's a new, a different way to look at it as well. Well, it's or an I enhanced think- way. It's all still, you know, legitimately science-based, but more just that um, some some forms of traditional Western treatment um, have been the the gone the done thing. Whereas there are other things that you can do, um, for example, like vitamin vitamin therapy and, and yeah. things like that that can help you. Because also. You know, it's the time, like, on. even though there may be, sorry to cut you off there, uh, but in, in, in terms of like science may have not caught up to it, but I look at like, say, Chinese medicine that's been yes. going around for like 2000 years. So I've yeah. spoken about this gentleman on the yeah. podcast many times, yeah. uh, Dr. J- Dr. Wu, who I go to, who yeah. I don't know whether he's an actual doctor or not, but he's in a shopping mall and he can't, he doesn't speak that English. So he talks into a dictaphone that translates um, things to me. Stop laughing, Ben, because he ran his hands over my back and diagnosed my uh, herniated disc without any fucking uh, uh, ultrasound. No CT scan, no MRI. He just ran his hands over and he said, oh, yeah, you have a herniated disc. And I'm like, fuck, how did he know that? Did he Google me? Did he like... (laughs) 
So I am yeah. open to that, you know, yeah. Chinese medicine and acupuncture and stuff I like think, that. I think that we, we also, I mean, you know, Dil, you and I see the same acupuncturist and, and so. Which is different to Dr. Wu, by the way. Sorry, Dr. Yeah. You, yeah. No, it's, it's another shopping center. <laughs> no, 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 no. How dare you? In fact, uh, Mel, this is true. We've had another guest talk about he had chronic pain for which, which you know, unfortunately led him to uh, an oxytocin, oxytocin, oxycontin, oxycontin, uh, oxycontin addiction, yep. and all of that. And he almost yep. seemed helpless. But then he yep. went to the place that we went to, yep. and they fixed his neck, and he's happy. Yep. I mean, he still drinks a yep. lot, but <laughs> but he's uh, you know someone who is the one who introduced me to that place, and so. Awesome. You, uh, yeah, sorry, if you're comfortable talking about that treatment. Oh, totally. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about, you know, you're sort of asking me what my, you know, what I do and and what are the other things that are really important to me. So I, I've recently returned to HIIT training, but I know that this is not something you should do every single day. So for me, because I'm recovering from this sort of um, uh, adrenal fatigue and um, this autoimmune sort of condition is that I have to be very gentle with myself so the first and most important thing is to listen to myself so if i don't feel like i should exercise even if i booked something in or whatever i don't do it i just listen oh, really? to say, today might be a rest day for me and to not beat yourself up about it and say well i'm not burning the whatever you know calories or not doing a cardio day or whatever it's like if if your body genuinely doesn't feel like doing it and you can discern it between laziness and needing rest then take the rest because that right. is the most valuable thing I know I can do for myself and I'm sure a lot of other people can do for themselves is to know when you should rest and call it. Um, yeah. Be very, very firm about that. But the things I do, so I do, um, I've started doing HIIT training again, but just twice a week um, as far, you know, like evenly spaced. Um, and if I don't feel like doing it, I won't do it. Why I like doing it is it's really efficient. So it's 20 minutes. You should never do hit for more than 20 odd minutes. Um, and I do sort of, you know, the alternating alternating exercises with, you know, 30 seconds of exercise, intense exercise, 30 seconds of rest, do that right. for 20 minutes and then do jackal for the rest of the day. Do not do any other kind of exercise in a day. I love Pilates. Pilates is my favorite yeah, thing. It has helped with um, all kinds of back issues that I've had in the past. And um, I find it, you know, it's, it is like moving meditation. It's slightly less spiritual than yoga, for example, but I do find it as if it's gentle, but it's effective. And the reason why it's, it's small movements done very precisely and it does help build core strength um and elon like i find it elongates me so i Did you my, do the reformer? Uh, i do reformer um back when i started i was going to a studio in sydney um that's that's sort of very well known that does cadillac and yeah. um has all has all of the toys so you know the the cadillac looks looks like a little bit of a, a, a four like poster a, a four poster bed yeah. slash weird sex dungeon it thing. does real have a sex dungeon <laughs> it's you know like, not gonna if lie it's, if it's just on the ground it looks like a rowing yeah. machine like okay but as yeah. soon as they put the four posts and quite yeah. often you have to do it with someone so yeah, yeah, yeah. it does feel a bit yeah yeah, yeah. i genuinely don't know what you're talking about but oh my god i'm excited to research this <laughs> yeah. technique yeah. afterwards give it, give it a go <laughs> yeah. um but pilates in in all disciplines when you find a really great teacher it's all about um it's all about alignment it's all about 
um, physiological balance. And so that's um, that's been really great for me. I go to a studio that I um, I really love, and I, it, it's a really lovely, inclusive place where you can be you can be new to it. You can have done it for years. Um, you can be anybody and you feel really welcome there which is um, I think a, a, a great community that they've created in that regard so I'd try and do that a couple of times a week or if I have the crazy days and, and Dill you know what the hours are like when we're filming MasterChef um, if I come home and I'm tired I won't do anything but if I do feel like I have something in me and um, the hours are late I'll still do maybe like a 20 minute or a half hour little Pilates mat session at home or something like that, just so that I've moved my body. It's yeah. not necessarily that, oh, my God, I ate so much food, I need to atone because that's right. ridiculous. Right. Um, but it, it's just more about um, stretching and moving and just sort of coming back into my body a little bit, which, um, you know, in that wind down process towards going to sleep and, again, rest being crucial, having effective rest usually means having stretched and having, you know, your your body feel like you're in a state of um being back inside it again. And, and, and I think that's, that's really clear because I think a lot of people forget that, that sometimes it's not really, it's, it's the exercise, but it's also letting it go, letting go of all the stress or letting go of all the stress that week or even yeah. that month. Because I, yeah. I grew up with a mother who was a Feldenkrais practitioner. And so her, what, the whole, sorry, a Feldenkrais practitioner. So Feldenkrais, that? it's called awareness through movements, a bit like the Alexander technique. Yeah. Um, and so what was really interesting is like, you know, it's like that whole idea of like understanding the awareness of your movement, but also understanding the power of that is. And and I think I've already given an example once on the podcast where I didn't really believe in it until it was year 12 and it was year 12 exams. And mum said, hey, look, I'll give you a session. I was like, oh, whatever, mum with your hippy dippy stuff. And she goes, uh, she goes, look, just lie on the bed and let me do it. And she just pushed at my feet for yeah. like a good hour and then, you know, played with my hips and just my, just my center. And then at yeah. the end... I got up and I was, you know, I felt a bit relaxed, but I felt taller. And because I felt yeah. taller, I had more confidence and went into the exam and I had a great yeah. one. Amazing. And so yeah. it's just like, if you, and if you can do that yourself, like, which is really harder, you know, it's harder than, you, you know, knowing that you've got that at the end of the day or the end of the week, you know, you can, yeah. again, it's a, a sort of a reset to a degree. Yeah. That, that electroacupuncture so. that we do, Mel, I've noticed that whenever they've done that for my, like, abs or my core which is effectively yeah. like a pilates kind of workout it's just shocked yeah. my system and i know i'm walking like i'm like almost like i'm marching when i walked in hunched over yeah. it's yeah. just like re-triggering your body holding your body differently yeah. when you walk out of there which is really great and um hamish yeah. blake told me that for pilates for him was like wearing a weight belt like you know when you yeah. sort of strap yourself in it feels like you've constantly got this amazing sort of thing holding all your structure together and you're able to absolutely. lift kids like his kids and stuff like that better and stuff. yeah absolutely so yeah pilates for me it is that core strength is really important because i'm standing a lot in a stationary capacity at work um just the way that, you know, a lot of standing going on there's a lot of walking around in crazy shoes there's a lot of that kind of thing so <laughs> for me having that spine strength you know having a sort of that the back muscle strength to hold up my spine and to sort of have that sort of abdominal strength um is is really important and definitely i definitely carry myself um differently um having done you know pilates for the last couple of years so very very grateful for that um and you know i seeing your your people, like your, your people is really important. So going to, um, you know, to our acupuncture and Chinese medicine 
um, sort of people. Um, for me, like I was late for this. Um, it's like thematically correct that I was late for this um, this Zoom because uh, I was seeing my physiotherapist, and he's um, he's amazing. I, I see. I I saw him throughout the last bit of lockdown because I was carrying so much stress that I have um, repetitive strain injury in my my right shoulder from piano from years ago. Mm. And when I get very stressed, um, the whole of my right-hand side of my body locks up. Yeah, and and it feels like um, I feel very sort of lopsided and heavy and all the muscles tighten to the point where it's causing a fair amount of pain. So he helped to kind of break all of that up. And so now I see him, you know, every, every other week and, um, you know, now it's muscular soreness because I've been exercising or, you know, right. as opposed to my body perpetuating the stress in the pain and then I'm stressed because of the pain. Yeah, and, it becomes and a it, vicious cycle. Yeah, so I think finding the people that work for you, whether or not that's Chinese medicine, acupuncture, you know, physiotherapist, um, myotherapist, whatever it is, um, if you are fortunate enough to be able to go and do those things. Yeah. And I'm obviously very aware I'm, I'm speaking from a place of privilege right now that I work really hard um, and I can afford to do some of those things that I couldn't afford to do before. Yeah. Um, but I'm very grateful, very grateful for that, um, that opportunity. Um, but whatever it happens to be and some of those things that you do for yourself uh, are free. You know, yeah. look... YouTube is an amazing resource for um, finding, you know, meditation, guided meditations to do, um, Matt Pilates. Like there's a um, there's a teacher on YouTube who's Australian and I love her Matt classes. She's a very she's very good at demonstrating technique. What's and her name? Um, her name is Nicole um, Castoon. Okay. And she is a dance teacher and a Pilates instructor and she just has tremendously accurate form when she's demonstrating and there are 20 30 40 50 minute classes that are free on YouTube and I think it works she works for me her her method of teaching works for me so um, I've really enjoyed doing those during lockdown and then you know my my Pilates studio also does online classes then and still I was doing a couple of those as well so I think it's great to mix it up and listen to different teachers and And try different teachers as well like you you, the connection with the teacher is so important like I I go to amateur Pilates which is very popular in Brunswick and uh and again you just find you try a couple classes then you go hey hey, that's my go-to teacher that's the one I that you know just does the little tweaks that you know make you feel comfortable that you can focus on Absolutely. And, and they, they speak your language, um, you know, in terms of you feeling a bit more motivated to do it or to push a little harder or to, you know, to, to work on whatever you need to work on. So, yeah, so I, I like to use a balance of, okay, well, yes, I, I work hard so I can afford to do some of these things, but also there are great resources online. Because when I was, a, you know, a, a POV freelancer, I had to find mm. options worked for me that, that didn't necessarily cost money and and like I said I, I'm, I'm a devout supporter of YouTube because yeah. there are incredible teachers from all around the world and um, you can find people who are doing classes for free um, that can help you well one of the I think it's just like the thing we see coming up over and over on this podcast is this ne- there's never a cookie cutter method for the per- for each person 
and even over time, Ben, if you look at us, the things that we were talking about as being so, like, oh, this was a game changer for me and I'm going to stick with this yeah. forever. After a certain point, oh, you get a back injury or whatever, and you have to start to alternate. And being willing to keep learning and keep trying new things without judging on your last one as being like wasted time, I think is such a vital thing. Because I, I know I get caught up in going, oh, I can't believe I wasted my time doing that when this is so yeah. much better. It's like, no, no, you had to do that to get here. And that's right. okay too, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm very mindful of the time we're yeah, taking we, off of yeah. yours, Mel, but I just want to quickly, if we oh, can oh, wow. jump on. Yes. Yes, I love sorry. talking to you guys. I, 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 I need oh, really? to set. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, then one last quick question was something around, uh, in terms of your autoimmune disease and stuff like that, I think I came across you talking about uh, how it impacted. What I mean, condition, not disease. Sorry, condition. Yes. Uh, yes. And uh, um, the insomnia that came along with yeah. it and how, being able to say no to things has helped yeah. you and, and something that I'm obsessed with right now, because once you get to a point in life where it was when you're starting out in your career as, as a yeah. you know, freelancer or a staff community or whatever, yeah. it's like opportunities are so few and far between that you say yes to everything. And then you'll get lucky enough to get to the point where you are now in charge of being able to say no to things that aren't going to, but I haven't got that habit yet of saying, no, I still have to say yes to everything. Yeah, I say yes to everything. Uh, how, yeah. What have you found that is I feel yeah, in that? I still, yeah, I still have the um, the compulsion to say yes to everything. And like you said, when people are asking for your support on something um, and they're maybe newer in their career, of course you want to give back because that's what we all should do. Um, but I, yeah, I've learned to say no, but in a way that is, you know, not no, not saying no to you. I'm just saying no to this particular situation because self-preservation is the most important thing i am my own finite resource yeah and so if i don't take the time to unplug and give myself the room to recover rest be myself then i'm no use to anybody well and ignoring the recipient uh, and how they receive the no for your use yeah. for you yourself have you yeah. figured out a decision making process that helps you decide whether something's a yes or no and, and the reason i'm asking is because i'm yeah. experimenting with this concept of like if it's uh, it's either a fuck yes or a no if i don't feel like it's a fuck yes then yeah. i just it's got to be a no now because i'm well, lucky there... enough to only do fuck yes stuff yeah um very similar thing gut instinct so right. does it feel like the right thing to do? Um, do I genuinely want to do it or am I doing it because I am obligated? I feel like I might be obligated or compelled to do something. I mean, I would love to support all of the charities that ask me to do things or all of the um, the startup projects that are, I'm asked to sort of do. But does it feel like it's something I really want to do? Like it's the fuck yes or the no thing. It's like, yeah, I really, I really want to do that. I will make time for that because I feel like it's inherently worth it. Then yeah, I'll do it. Um, otherwise, I, you know, it's a thank you with gratitude, and I, I say, you know, thank you, um, thank you, but no, and please ask again another time. And that's also internally for me a thank you, but no, that was a great opportunity the universe has offered me, but not today. Right. And, to, and to move on from and be okay. Like I've, I've just learned now just through repetition to be okay about it. Um, very, and very rarely do I go, oh, I should have done that. Um, just, I, I've noticed as well, just with, again, I think sometimes the pandemic does change a lot of people, but yeah. my decision-making somewhat changed because it's like, you know, is this best for me? But now I sort yeah. of flip, just go, well, is this best for me and will it help my family? And yeah. as yes. soon as that, even that, even if that's a slight, 
well, actually, no, then I'll push back on it. But, you know, at yeah. first I usually just do it from my perspective, but then my perspective of how I react will also, of course, you know, with the other three in my family, uh, you know. So, yeah, I'm, yeah, decision-making. But I think I like what you said. It's, it's, it's the repetitive. It's like the more you practice it, then yeah. the better you understand your own decision-making. Yeah, you have to realise that when you say no to somebody, you're not destroying their world they'll find someone else to to work with or to do to do the thing and um you know as long as you're doing it in a way saying no in a way that you feel comfortable um and for me it's thank you for thinking of me but uh, i can't this time but please ask me again another time um that's and what i'll be I, saying to marty uh, on the next season of what i like to you <laughs> well oh, we're really grateful you said yes to this mate because if you said no my world would have been crushed no uh but oh, no no no, yeah. no mate right. i really really appreciate it and thank you so yes. much for being so generous with your time and and, and sharing so many wonderful things amazing um uh um I, w- I wish we got around to asking about your amazing ability to eat food without messing up your makeup because everyone <laughs> hey, in my world <laughs> Everyone in my world who wear makeup have been asking me, how does she do it? Like, she's just the constant ability to get the perfect bite. Well, you were a makeup artist, so. Oh, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Mel, thank you so much. What is it that you'd like, if there's any, like, uh, in charity work or anything that you might want to plug to our little group of listeners that we have that might want to check uh, out or your Instagram or anything like that? Um, oh, they can always check out what I'm doing um, via my Instagram because that's probably my most active thing. But right now, I think if um, people are looking for a charity to support, especially at the year's end, Children's Ground is an amazing yes. charity that supports, um, you know, Indigenous education, awareness and empowerment um, to, you know, to Australians everywhere. And um, uh, we need to support our um, our Indigenous heritage, our Aboriginal communities all across you know, all across this incredible place that we're so fortunate to call home and to be able to um, support growing generations to um, to know their language and be proud of their heritage. Um, I think this is something that we all need to, to really con- contribute towards. It's a great cause and they do some great stuff in that early childhood learning at the moment. So they, yeah. um, great cause, great cause. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Bella. And otherwise, Instagram, it's at Fudarati, F W O D E R A T I. I think I got that right. Uh, yeah, and me, uh, I'm Dilruk J on Instagram. Ben, you're Ben Lomas Comic. Uh, yes. Check us out for tour dates. I feel like I want to announce the name of my tour for next year now. I, it's not official, but I might I feel like I'll give a Mel Leong exclusive. I've decided to call it, using a pun on my name, as I always like to do, I'm yeah. going to go with Delicious. So, <laughs> love it. Tying oh, a little bit of food would have been a master in there. I, Alyssa <laughs> Leong, Master Chef Judge, Master Chef Australia Judge, approve. <laughs> and thank you to all our Patreon listeners as well. Yeah, thank you. Again, only $5 a month, guys. We love your support and uh, we love the growth uh, that we're getting with all our bonus content. But so you know you. what? Guess what? 30 seconds left. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Thank you, Mel. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Bye.